Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. We are changing up our order of worship today because it's, I'm going to help teach you a few principles and then we're going to immediately put them into practice. So this morning we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 as we continue talking about the four initiative and building our new building. And today we're going to answer the question, what's this for? We're going to look at our building and what we're going to be using it for. And so as Mo, uh, excuse me, Solomon is now... Uh, built the building, built the temple, and he is praying his dedication prayer. This is how he starts out in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 14. He said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or earth who keeps his gracious covenant with your servants and who walks with, for those who walk with you with all of their heart. The buildings that we build here at River Valley, including the new building, are for praise. They are for the praise of God. You, when you read biblical prayers, they never just jump right into what they're praying about. Solomon's praying to dedicate the temple, so he's going to get to that, but he doesn't start out that way. He starts out and says, he says, God, there's no one like you. I'm going to praise your name today. I'm going to give you glory for what you are. Now, I'm going to ask you for some things later, but he starts out with praise. Psalm chapter 22, verse 3 says, But you are holy, inhabiting the praises of Israel. God inhabits the praises of his people. God is here when his people gather corporately to pray and to praise his holy name. And so I want you today to practice that. And maybe you've gotten out of the habit of praise. Maybe you've gotten in, in this idea that you observe other people praising, but you don't actually praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. And this place and all of the places that we build are for the praise of his name. I got a, a reminder of this lesson last year. I was at a, at a conference, at a leadership conference, and some of the best speakers in all of the country were there. And so I was so excited, man. I'm taking my notes every day. And, and uh, it was at this really big church. And so they would have a few worship songs uh, starting out, which is great. But, you know, when you're a preacher, you want to hear these great leadership talks. So you're like, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the teaching. So this one session, right before we started, uh, Ben uh, Johnson and I, the executive pastor, we were there. And I said, look over there. And there was a preacher that we both knew. And this preacher I'd followed for years, man, I loved his preaching. Uh, he had meant a lot to me when I was young and learning how to preach. I would go to wherever church he was at and I would listen to him and uh, he was just doing a great job. And so I came up to him and I said, hey, you don't know me, but you had a big impact in my, in my ministry. I, I used to listen to you preach for years and, and learned a lot of, of how to communicate from you. And, uh, and Ben introduced himself as well. And then the music started. So we said, he said, hey, I'll get with you guys afterwards. So, so we went and we, we started praising. It was good. And, and the first lady who led worship, she was fantastic. I mean, it was just one of those that you're like, whoo, this is great. And then another guy got up and I was like, oh, it's going to be hard to top that. And he did. I mean, he brought the thunder, man, on that second song. I was like, man, this guy's good too. And then we had been doing two songs and then I was like, okay, this is great. You know, but I was about to sit down to start, start writing some notes on leadership and they started a third song. 
And I was like, whoa, 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 we're doing two songs here. We're here for leadership, not for praise, all right? That's how my mind was thinking. And, uh, and I kind of backed up, no, 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 God, you know, like, help me out here. And so I backed up for just a second. I was like, God, I want to praise you with all I have, you know. And, and, and so I made the decision to praise God on the third song. And so I went back into it. About halfway through the song, I felt a, sh- a hand on my shoulder. And this man, this preacher that, that we had seen earlier that we just introduced ourselves to, he came up to me and he said, I have a word from the Lord for you. And I, I sat in my chair and I wept. I mean, like, not just like little bitty, like cry. I, it was unbelievable what God did to me. He inhabited the praises of his people and he gave me a word of encouragement Now, let me tell you, let me be real honest with you how God is. He's so fantastic, even in the details. If a stranger comes up to me and says, I have a word from the Lord for you, my mind is immediately going to go, okay, weirdo. Uh, That's what, that's what, okay, all right. But, But when this man that I deeply respected came up, I immediately felt the presence of God, and I knew God had a word for me. And I'm truly convinced at that moment that God gave me that word because I leaned back into prayer and he inhabits the praises of his people. So we talked about this morning, our our buildings are for the praise of God. Let's look at what else we build buildings for. Second Chronicles, remember Solomon's praying this prayer, he's dedicating the temple. And he says in verse 15, he says, uh, I want to actually, I'm going to read this part out of my Bible because I want to use that. So. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 15. I should have done it, but... All right. So it says, You have kept what you promised to your servant, my father David. You spoke directly to him. You fulfilled your promise by your power as it is today. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel, keep what you promised to your servant, my father David. You will never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel, if only your sons guard their way to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now, Lord God of Israel, please confirm what you promised to your servant David. But will God indeed live on earth with humans? Even heaven, the highest heaven, cannot contain you, much less this temple I have built. Listen to your servant's prayer and his petition, Lord my God, so that you may hear the cry and the prayer of your servant before you. This is the word of the Lord. God gives us this word today, and he says, here is why we build buildings. He said, we build buildings for promise. Promise. He said, you promised God, you promised that you would do this. This place and the places of God are places where we see the promise of God fulfilled. That God speaks to his people. God wants to communicate to you and God wants to show you a promise. So this is what I wrote. God is a covenant maker and a promise keeper. God is a covenant maker and a promise keeper. A covenant is not a deal. A covenant is a solemn relationship. And God's solemn relationship covenant that he wants to make with us is, I will be your God if you will be my people. And he will promise us things. He will show us the future, and he will keep those promises. And today Solomon says, I remember you promised to my father David, but reconfirm this promise with me now. And then he said, you spoke. God is a speaking God. 
So I want to give you for just a moment, how do you connect with the promises of God? Now, when I talk about this, I'm talking about you specifically. When you come into the presence of God in this place, there ought to be moments where God speaks a direct word to you about your life, where God shows you what he has for you. God wants to speak a word to you today. So let me show you how to put yourself into a position in order to hear that word so that God can show you and unveil to you his promises. So four words that I want to give you. The first is the word faith. Faith. You come into the presence of God believing that he is a speaking God. You come into the presence of God believing that he is a speaking God. You have faith in that he wants to communicate to you. Now, does God uh, want to communicate? Absolutely. Here's our problem with the way that we are today. And this is my problem. I'll be honest with you. My problem is that I'm a product of the day, and the word of the day, or the words of the day, are sarcasm and cynicism. I am good at sarcasm. I speak it fluently. I don't speak English well, but I'm an expert at sarcasm. And so when we use sarcasm so much, everything becomes flippant. Everything becomes a joke. That, and that, that's the way I operate so much. So we can go into a message like this and I'll be like, God wants to speak to you. And kind of be like, well, okay, God, all right, here, say something. And kind of, kind of this sarcastic tone to the Lord. Now, God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. So can God break through that? Absolutely. But I'm talking about teaching you how to put yourself in a position where you can be assured that you're going to hear from God, not just assume he's going to break through all the clutter. You begin that process with faith. God, you are a speaking God, and I believe that you have a word for me. Speak, Father, for your servant is listening. Go in with that kind of attitude in worship. Go in with that kind of attitude in your prayer life. God is a speaking God. Go in with faith. The second word is the word desire. It's one thing to believe God speaks. It's another thing to want God to speak. Some of us have this idea in, in desire that God is up there and he just loves to mess with us to be mean. You think, man, if I give God my life, if I let him speak to me, that he's going to go, oh, no, you said it. Here I go. All right, I want you to take everything you own, sell everything you own, give it to the poor, move to Africa, build a hut, live in it, and eat bugs the rest of your life. You're, you're just like, okay, God. Like you think that he just loves to mess with you in that way. Listen, I have been to many commissioning services where I've literally watched people who are about to walk out of comfort in America and walk to some of the hardest places on earth, some of which they couldn't tell us where they were going because they were so anti-Christian that if they would have been found out, they would have been killed. Some of them that were so remote that they literally were going to make their own houses. And in all of those times, I've never seen someone going, oh, God's making me going. I've seen this, this on their face, this countenance, and it's really amazing to watch. It's like, I'm going home. They know that God has called me there. God has fulfilled the deepest part in the calling of their life. You've got to want God to speak to you if you want God to speak to you. I desire to hear what you want, and I know that when you speak, God, it will be a fresh word for me. Now, Here's what's interesting about this text when we think about God speaking to us. Sometimes we think, you know, like, I, man, I wish God would just speak. 
like literally speak from heaven. We've seen that throughout the Bible, that he literally speaks from heaven. Like he, he says a thing to some people. John chapter 12 is an interesting story like that. Jesus is praying and Jesus says, God's going to speak for you. Like it's for your benefit. He always speaks to me, but it's for your benefit that you're going to hear this. And Jesus says, God, I pray that you would glorify yourself in me. And God the Father speaks from heaven so that all of them can hear it. And he says, I have glorified myself in you and I will continue to glorify myself in you. And the Bible says that some of them heard it, or all of them heard it. Some of them believed, but others said, oh, it was only thunder. Now think about that for a second. Think about what just happened, all right? Like, if, he, if God gave us one word, you might go, that kind of sounded like, you know, like this word. But it's like this huge sentence that he says, I have glorified myself in you, and I will continue to glorify myself in you. And some people literally hear that phrase, and go, oh, it's just thunder. They don't want to hear from God. Go into your prayer time. Go into worship. Come into this place expecting God to speak and wanting, desiring, God, I truly, truly want to hear from you. Third word, write down the word Bible, Bible. The Bible is the word of God. The Bi you should say amen to that. All right. <laughs> so the Bible is the word of God. Amen. I mean, the Bible is the Word of God. When, when God speaks to us through main, uh, God speaks to us mainly today through the Word, through the Bible. It is written down. We can go back. We can reference it. We understand it in its context. God speaks to us through the Word of God, the Bible, which is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is the authoritative uh, instrument by which we live our lives, by which we know who God is. He reveals Himself through His Word. You ought to have a time where you open up the Word of God and read it and think and meditate on it and try to apply it for yourself, for the Word of God. Fourth word, write down the word prayer. Prayer. I am teaching you in these days how to pray. A lot of you might say, you know what? I don't know how to pray. I wasn't raised in church, or I'm not very good at this, or I'm new at this. I'm teaching you how to pray because we are praying almost every week. But most of the time we pray at the end of the service. The reason is, is because we read the word of God. I unpack it for you. We understand it correctly. And then we pray the word of God back to God because you're like, well, I don't know if I'm praying his will. When you're praying the word of God, you are for sure praying his will. And so you pray this word back to God. Now, be very careful in how we think about prayer. So, all right, so here's a, here's a little uh, home test for you um, so that you can talk to your spouse about this. What is the shortest verse in all of the Bible? Tell each other if you think you know. What is the shortest verse in all of the Bible? By the way, this is, this is Bible nerd stuff right here, all right? So I'm just telling you right now. So how many of you said Jesus wept? Raise your hands. You're wrong. You are wrong. It is not that. How many of you how many of you said anything else but you love that your spouse was wrong? I mean, that's just good. All right. We're, we're not doing a marriage seminar. It's fine. All right. We'll clean that up next year. So, <laughs> the shortest verse in all of the Bible is actually one word written in Greek and is pray continuously. Pray continuously. It's one word in Greek. One whole verse says pray continuously. And the idea is, is to invite God into your life and pray on all things. So you're walking into a meeting. God, help me in this meeting. You're, you're just sitting down for a meal. God, 
we want you to bless this meal. Just, just inviting God into all of that. And, and you ought to have that. But here's what I find about most people in their prayer life. They say, oh, I pray all the time. And they have this idea of pray continuously. That's good. I'm not discouraging that at all. But when the Bible teaches prayer, it always teaches this sit down, this concerted, focused time of prayer. Not the, the, the pray continuously, which you ought to do. This learning how to pray by sitting down and praying. And so I'm teaching you to do that in these lessons because you're going to, at the end of the service, you're going to pray this prayer back to God. This focused teaching on prayer. This is a place for prayer. And the promises of God are fulfilled, are shown to us in our prayer life. This happened to me this week. I heard from God this week. I truly, truly heard from God. I heard from God so strongly that Melinda came home. On Wednesdays, I, I pray extended. She's got some meetings outside the house. I stay home. I pray. Uh, and uh, she came home. She was like, how was your morning? What'd you do? How's your prayer time? And I, I looked at her and I said, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. Like, God spoke to me so strongly that, that when I was done with my prayer time, nobody's in my house. I got up and I was like, yeah, that was awesome. Like, I literally did that, like, out loud. I was like, that was great. He spoke to me. I wrote it down. I mean, it was perfect. Here's what happened. So I've told you um, that as we're looking for our number, uh, Melinda and I, for what we are uh, going to give for the fork uh, initiative, M Melinda had a number, and it was higher than my number, so I immediately said yes. The reason is, is Melinda has been so good when I have— when I have said over the years, God told me to do this. Melinda has been so good at following me, and I have led her into some crazy, weird places. I mean, you, you know, she's just, she trusts me. She's just like, okay, I believe that you hear from the Lord, and she has followed me. So when she said that God said this thing, this number, then I didn't pray for confirmation. I said, God, you spoke to Melinda. I'm going to follow Melinda. And I said, yes. But I, and, and I, absolutely. And so, but Wednesday, I was praying and God confirmed what he told to Melinda in my heart. Now, Melinda and I think very differently. You're almost like, duh, you're married. All right. I mean, you, you know, I mean, that's the way it works, isn't it? Is and, and God speaks to Melinda, one, and God speaks to me in another way. I have this weird thing with numbers and, and, and all, and, and God spoke to me, and it's like all of a sudden they just went click, and it clicked, and it made perfect sense and order in my mind. I mean, it was, un and I, this didn't happen. It was the same number that I'd known all along, but God showed me, and it was, oh, he revealed it to me. It's almost like if you have ever seen a tapestry, when you see when they weave it, and you see the back of it, and you're just like, that is ugly. What is the, it doesn't make any sense at all, and you turn it the right way, and all of a sudden, oh, and it made perfect sense. Guys, God did not do that because I'm a pastor. God did that because I'm a Christian. God wants to speak to his people. God wants to give you a word for you. You've got to put yourself in a place to listen, in a place where you express in faith, where you want to hear. Not an agenda, not, you know, I'll, I'll listen to this, but not this. No, you listen to what God has to say, and he's going to speak to you when you do it repetitively and you learn. He spoke to them the promises of God. Now, God spoke in this case a very specific promise, and I want to address that. He says, um, 
I, I uh, promised your, your dad, David, that you will be on the, that he will be on the throne and that his generations after him will be on the front, throne. So now his son Solomon's on the throne. He's like, I'm asking you to recommit this covenant because I also want to uh, pray for my future generations, for my sons who, and my grandsons who will be on the throne. It's this idea of generational legacy. It's this idea of we won't be here forever, but we will hand this off to the children of our future. Now, this is, this is um, strange for me because I'm, I'm just now, I'm about to turn 50. I'm just now writing a new 10-year vision for my life. And obviously, part of that is River Valley. And it's weird for me to be so far into my ministry. It's weird for me to be so far into my life that I'm now starting to think about what's it going to be like to hand off this ministry at River Valley. Someday I'm not going to be the pastor. Don't amen that. All right? So <laughs> just some of you, you're like waiting for it. All right? So <laughs> I'm not going to be the pastor forever. So, so when I first became the pastor of River Valley, I, I, this is what I bought. Now, Let's be honest, this is a track baton for sprint relay. I don't have much, um, I've never used this on an actual track, all right? So I'm about to give you an illustration of what other people have experienced. Let's be honest, all right? If I don't address that on the front end, you'll be like, that's not his baton. Uh, so I bought this, and, and, and I bought it for a very specific reason. It stays in my office, and for remembering that this is not my church, this is God's church, and I will hand it off one day. I will hand off the, the pastorate, the leadership of River Valley. And in the same way, you can think of it in terms of your life and your parenthood, just like, just like uh, Solomon is, like, I want to hand this off to the next generation, and I want them to take it. So I'm going I'm to make some illustrations about what it looks like for you to hand off your life to the next generation, whether that be me as a pastor, whether that be you as a parent, and what that looks like. So the first thing is, you will hand it off. You will hand off your life. You might as well be winning when you hand it off. You might as well be winning. It's up to you to win your leg. You might as well be winning when you hand it off. Now, even if you're losing, you're going to hand it off. But have you ever seen a sprint relay, especially where they go one time around the track, four runners, each run 100 yards? The, the way that they stagger the runners, because it's much longer to run the, uh, the outside of the track than the inside of the track. And so when they very first start them out, the runner on the inside of the track looks like he has a huge disadvantage from the runner on the outside of the track. Because he gets such a big head start. It looks like a head start. They'll all catch up at the end. But have you ever seen a sprint relay where the person at the very inside, even though he's further back, by the time they hit the first leg, he's already winning? Like, he skunked that other guy. Man, I mean, you're like, it was no contest. I mean, he is already winning, and he hands it off to his next partner. That's got to be a good feeling, right? Like, hey, we're winning. Take it. You know, as opposed to like, I'm not doing very good. You know, I mean, you might as well be winning in your life because people want to have that handed to them. Listen, it's up to you how you do your marriage and you hand it off to the next generation. It's up to you how you raise children. It's up to you how you live your spiritual life. And God, hand off a good life to the next generation. This is up to you. Be winning when you hand it off. And all of us can. 
We truly can. We can make decisions according to the word of God. And we can pray for the power of God. He's directed us in his word. He's empowered us through his spirit. Make a decision that you're going to be winning when you hand off this baton. Number two, there's a limited space to hand off. There's a window. There are marks on a track for when you can hand it off. You can't hand it off too early, but also you have to hand it off in this window. You can't hand it off too late. We have a window of opportunity to hand off. Use that window correctly. I'm amazed at how many parents tend to think that, that you know, like we, we've got all the time in the world for the really important things. We're really concentrating on, on uh, sports right now. Later on, we'll, we'll do the important things. Be careful with that. You've got a very limited window. Put the important things first. Put the important things first in that window. Learn how to do it from the very beginning along the way. Because times change, and it's much easier. I love the quote by Truett Cathy, who founded Chick-fil-A, and that it's much easier to train a child than it is to fix an adult. It's much easier to train a child. Start early teaching them how to raise up their own spiritual life. Start early teaching them these things in this window. Because can you start late? Absolutely. Is it much harder? You bet. Because let's be honest, if you have teenagers right now, you're experiencing this. If you have teenagers, it's very different when you come home than when you came home when you had little children. Remember when you had little children? I'm talking about two or three. You came home, and it was a celebration every day, right? <laughs> Mom, Dad, ah! and they ran up to you, and they hugged you, and you wrestled, and everything. It was like, man, you were greeted at the door with enthusiastic little children, right? When you walk in the door, when you have teenagers, what you might get is they might look up and go, what's up, bro? That's it. That's all you get. And then they're like, oh, I'm so tired of everything. What's for dinner, right? I mean, that's it. You know, that's the communication level, right? It's, it's harder to start right then. You can, but, but practice it early. Practice important conversations early. You have this very little limited window. Make sure that you're using your time well. There really is time for everything as long as you'll put first things first. There's time for everything. I'm not against sports. I'm not against uh, fun. I, I, please don't hear me like, you know, like, you just be teaching your children the Word of God. No, you know, just be teaching your children the Word of God and how to catch a football. It's important. All right? So that's, that's right? But Word of God first. That's all. First. Third lesson. Third lesson. It's okay as you are running in the handoff to accidentally... Drop the baton. Nobody plans on this. Nobody plans on this. But listen to me. Look at me. Everyone does. Everyone drops the baton. Nobody. You got somebody who's got great kids. You talk to them. They're going to tell you about the time they dropped the baton. They're going to tell you about the time they messed up. And if they don't, ask their children. They'll tell you. It's okay to drop the baton because have you ever seen that happen in a relay race? What do they do? Do they go, ah, oh, we dropped the baton. We're out. We're, you know, like, that's it. You know, and just walk off the field. No, they fumble it around. They pick it up. They head off. It's okay. Like everyone's going to drop the baton and you can pick it up. 
you absolutely can pick it up. Listen, this is a word for you even if you have adult children. I know some of you have adult children, and you, you know, when I talk about generational legacy, sometimes you, you live in this, this guilt of I should have or I could have, or, or you know, maybe it's like we really tried, but for some reason it didn't stick uh, with this one or whatever. Listen, you're still alive. God is still on the throne. Jesus still loves your children. And absolutely, it is still time where you can pick it up. And you can't say, man, I, it just, it feels like this generational legacy wasn't handed to you very well. And I, I bear some of that blame and, and you bear some of that blame. And let's, let's figure this thing out because I want you to run a good race. Everybody drops the baton, but you've got to pick it up. You've got to be willing to acknowledge where you dropped it and pick it up. Solomon says, you have promised that you will have a, um, a member of my family on the throne. Recommit this to Jesus. Recommit your family to Christ today to say that the next generation will take over Christianity from me and they will propel the kingdom of God forward. And they will hand it to the next generation and they will hand it to the next generation. And then Solomon closes this, this section. He says, will a man really, or excuse me, will God really live on earth with men? For the highest heaven cannot contain you, yet you're going to come to this place? And he's saying, God, you're so big and wonderful. You, like, I've done my very best, but it's, it's so unworth who, or it's unworthy of who you are. But we'll, we'll read next week that God does. That God literally comes down from heaven in the, the glory of the fire and inhabits that place. And the presence of God is seen and felt in that time. This is a place for the presence of God. The Bible says in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am among you. So that means today it's me and it's you and it's Jesus. He really is here. The presence of God fill this place. I invite you right where you are to bow your heads and let's pray for a moment. And as you practice this prayer, again, I'm teaching you. We're just going to go back through the verses. And I'm just going to ask you and bring those to your remembrance so that you can pray those back to God. So first of all, we praise God. Even the heavens, the highest heaven cannot contain you. Praise God today. Praise Him for His character, His attributes. Praise Him for what He's done in the past, in the Bible, what He's done in your own life. Just praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then tell Him who He is. Like, thank you that you are this kind of God. This week, God for Bastrop, Texas has been the rain giver. Thank you, God. When we live in a dry and a parched earth where it literally hasn't rained for months substantially and the farmers and the ranchers are desperate for rain, you are the rain giver, God. Only you can do that. Praise God. Praise God that He is a covenant-making and a promise-keeping God. He wants to speak to you. Praise Him in faith. God, I believe that you're a speaking God.
Praise him in desire. God, I want to hear from you. Can I challenge you a little bit? There's probably an area that you don't want to hear from God about. You know. Can I challenge you to just say, God, even if you want to speak to me about this, I'm scared. I'm uncomfortable, but I, 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 want, I want whatever it is that you want to speak to me about. God, I want to hear. I desire to hear from you. Father, I praise you today for the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. That we can rest assured in what it says is true and who it reveals you to be is accurate. You have not left us to chance. You have not left us to figure this thing out. You have revealed yourself by the word of God. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Thank God for prayer today. Thank God for the prayers that you are able to offer. That he hears and he responds. God, teach me to be a person of prayer. Not just continuously as I go about my life, but a, a focused and a concerted time of prayer. In a few weeks, Josh is going to teach the Connections class. It's going to teach you how to have a prayer life. Pray for generational Christianity. Pray for a legacy of faith. You might not have children or you might have old children but continue to pray for them in the future generations also remember we're talking about building a new building the, the reason we're building a building is, is we are dangerously close as a church to being out of room for our children in fact we're a couple of years away from that and so we're trying to address that problem before it's a problem but it takes millions of dollars. It takes hours and hours of planning. It takes a year of construction. But pray, God, we want to have a generational legacy here at River Valley. Pray for a, a perfect timing moment where the people in the children's ministry say, we are out of room. There's no more room. We can't fit another child in here. And that's one week. And we say, oh, that's okay. Because guess what? Next week, we're opening our brand new building. We planned ahead. We had faith in God. And it would literally be that seamless of timing. That we wouldn't lose one family that God is calling. God, feel your presence in this place. Whatever God's spoken to you in this moment, just confer back to Him. This is what I heard. This is what I thank God. Father, we love you and we praise you for the presence of God. We thank you for the praise of this place. God, we thank you for the people. God, fill this place with your presence and with your people for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
We're going to have a lot more baptisms in the late service. So if you have never been baptized, then today is your moment. Make sure and let us know as soon as you're done. Go out these doors. Talk to them at the connections table. We would love to baptize you today. There was a woman in the early service that said, I, I'd always wanted to get baptized in the river, but I missed it. I couldn't be there. And she said, so I was baptized today because I knew God wanted me to. That's exactly right. Get baptized today. Also, I will see you at 6 o'clock tonight. We'll start out right in this room for praise and prayer of what God's going to do in the future. Love you guys. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.